Hey there, welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I want to invite you to check out this live video on YouTube. Go over to Quentin Carlin or Self-Developed Life on YouTube and watch the live video. And make sure you subscribe to the channel to see your next episode coming out this week. As well as subscribe to the podcast here. If you're listening on iTunes, subscribe and share this with anyone you like. And if you do like it, please leave a five-star review and leave a comment that really helps us out to get the word out. And when you do do that, I'm offering you a free one-on-one coaching session. So if you are interested in chatting with me about anything and everything you would like to, go ahead and email me, quintoncarlin at gmail. My email is in the description below. And this is a offer for me to try and get to know you more and support any way I can as a thanks for supporting this show. So without further ado, enjoy the show and we'll see you on the next episode. Welcome back, friends. This is a very interesting episode. I speak to a 22-year-old who has never been drunk or high, and he throws rave parties, huge rave parties all over the world for raising awareness for mental and physical and relationship health to create a consensual, open, healthy environment for millennials to party without the drugs, booze, um, drunken hookups, all that stuff. And in this episode, we talk about what it's like to be a young person uh, involved in sober dating, sober relationships, sober nightlife, things like that. He's currently traveling around the world, which is through a huge rave party in Amsterdam and is now touring Europe. And you're going to learn a lot about the benefits of living sober as well as how to just live life to the fullest and have fun without intoxication. So really inspiring guy. He kind of feels like my little brother after I met him this past summer. We spent some time together in Vancouver and enjoyed this show. Hey, good, good. Look at you. you're in some sort of beach town. Yeah, man. Do, 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 <laughs> can, can, you, can you hear me okay? Yeah, no, I can hear you great. Awesome, awesome. Let me just open this browser. Um, beauty, man. Well, uh, you know what? Let's uh, kind of probably just jump right into it here. I th- let me just pause this for a sec. All right, welcome back, everyone, to another episode. I'm joined with a very special guest, Jacques Martiquet. And I wanted to say that right away so I didn't mix it up or mess it up like I did previously. So uh, I've got who I consider kind of like I don't want to say little brother, but a guy that I see so much of myself in um, where, you know, he's really kind of playing full out uh, from Vancouver, traveling the world, really on a mission to empower and impact a lot of lives. And he's got a really unique project he's working on. And I'm going to invite him in here to explain exactly what he's doing, why he's doing it, and how people should get involved with it. So my friend, my little brother, come on in, my man. (laughs) Oh yeah, no, I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready to talk to you about uh, party science, natural euphoria, and uh, party sober all over the global tour that I'm working on right now, which is about creating a worldwide social movement, challenging the social norms uh, that exist in party culture, nightlife, and entertainment and uh, how they're so linked to unhealthy human behaviors mainly revolving binge alcohol and substance use. So uh, yeah, no, I'm stoked to be here. That introduction definitely is getting me uh, pumped up and uh, usually I'm pumping other people up uh, through the parties that I facilitate. So yeah, it's a pleasure to be on the show. Well, I think it's timely because my last episode I just recorded was how and why I've stopped drinking and how I've been sober for the last almost two years, about 20 months when Um, Yeah, I made a decision New Year's Day, January 1st, 2017. And I'm like, you know, what would my life look like if I just stopped drinking? And my challenge was for a month or 30 days. I was like, I'm just going to stop drinking for a month. Kind of like a New Year's resolution. And it's not like I had a problem or, you know, was an alcoholic or anything like that. I was just like, you know what, I'm just on this health binge. I was starting to do CrossFit a lot. Um, And uh, if people are watching this on YouTube, I'm not sweating. I just came back from a surfing paddleboard session here. So I'm still not dry yet if you're watching this on YouTube. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I started that challenge and then 30 days went by and I felt so good and so just healthy and productive and the money I was saving. I was like, well, why don't I keep going? And one month turned into another. 
other last month and you told me what you're up to. I was like, man, that's so cool, especially to raise awareness about when you go out, you don't have to get all, you know, wasted to have a good time. You know, you can go out and just like, like you said, natural euphoria and, and just kind of have a, a sober rave, which you've been doing. So um, I want to ask, how did you get into this? Like, what's your background that said, hey, let's create this and, and see where it goes? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'd i say it's, uh, you know, I'm in a spitball here a bit, but uh, I think there's three main avenues I got involved in partying sober. Um, I think one of them uh, off the top of my head is I just wanted to save money and, and I didn't really see the value that uh, alcohol uh, had. Um, I didn't think it was worth all the money. So therefore, from an early age, uh, I was partying sober. Um, and I had the chance to develop a skill set and uh, a willingness to get out of my comfort zone. And now I just have this phenomenal skill set where I can basically choose to feel good and choose to get naturally high. It's basically a conscious process. Um, and then secondly, I am, uh, my, my, uh, research focus, if I were to be an expert in anything is, uh, public health and, uh, studying s the psychology of behavioral change. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, when we look at the healthcare system, um, it's very reactive as opposed to proactive. And I'm uh, really interested in how we can uh, teach humans how to live healthy lives instead of how to take medication or how to respond to medical emergencies. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, and I've had an influence from my father, who's a medical health officer. Um, and I wanted to be a doctor at one point in my life before I discovered my gift, which is facilitating human connection and spreading energy in a crowd of people. And <clears throat> my gift is basically that I can start a dance party, uh, regardless of all circumstances, <laughs> almost, <laughs> I'm not getting too overconfident. I don't know if I could do this in North Korea. But uh, <laughs> well, come, on over and, come on over and we'll start a rave there, man. <laughs> and well, that's that's on. Uh, that's that's what I have as a footnote on my party sober all over uh, script is uh, North Korea may be the finale, the epic finale. Yeah, and I was having a, a dream or, you know, just I was imagining North Korea and I was imagining that I was a party slave like they would enslave me yeah. throw party them <laughs> that's funny um that, that, that's that's really funny i've actually been up to the i've actually crossed over the border into north korea actually into the dmg deal demilitarized zone um, okay and uh yeah man it's a pretty intense scene and they definitely need to lighten up and have some parties over there i think um well that's awesome man so your background is in kind of wanting to create you know this this consciousness around um sober partying and connecting with people and what's your your uh situation now you're, you're creating this world tour where are you going and what's the kind of game plan for those spots yeah so i'm super stoked about the uh the world tour but i just want to add something really important to the last question is that uh i've gone to thousands of parties uh sober and i've taking care of a lot of my peers at these parties yeah. and I've witnessed uh, carnage, intoxication, um, uh, a lack of any sensibility and uh, it's, it's quite uh, pitiful that we don't, we, 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 we think that substances will lead to fun instead of uh, simply asking ourselves, well, how can I optimize my mindset and my behavior to have the most fun possible? And, and, and a core to that is, well, by not destroying your body. Right. Uh, and also by thinking, uh, thinking and using your frontal lobe 
and drugs hijack all sorts of systems up there and prevent that from happening. But yeah, the Party Sober All Over Tour is going to be crazy. We want to go to iconic public spaces like Tiananmen Square. Uh, we want to go to crowded night, nightlife districts. Mm-hmm. We want to go to debauchery, debaucherous parties like the Full Moon Beach Party in Thailand. I've been there. We want to go to uh, historic landmarks. And we want to go there and spread dance, music, positivity, um, and create a viral storyline, capturing viral footage to share with the world, um, to inspire young people like, holy shit, this guy's having more fun than I am. And he is totally sober. How do I become like him? How do I do what he's doing? Well, maybe I should... Uh, think more consciously about my fun and my socialization. And uh, maybe I should try something new and get out of my comfort zone and build my social literacy and uh, amusement skills. Um, You know, we're starting in New Zealand uh, and we want to hit up a bunch of universities down there, go to some famous landmarks. Then we're going to go to Australia um, head around Australia and then up through Bali to Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, and then hit all of Western or pardon me, Eastern China. Uh, of course, not forgetting the great wall of China. Yeah. Right. And, uh, also, uh, the Chinese Metro system, the subway. Good it's luck, also- man. That's a, that's a zoo down there, man. I got lost in Shanghai so many times, man. That place is mayhem. Try the. Yeah. To- I would actually even recommend the Tokyo Metro systems even crazier. Um, yeah, that- we're gonna be going. To, we're gonna be going to Tokyo too. What I've heard about Tokyo is that uh, the Japanese and and one thing that I've learned from cultural psychology is that um, more uh, interdependent cultures, conventionally Asian cultures, uh, there's this huge conformity motive. Um, as opposed to the uh, the individualistic motive. And this conformity motive uh, applies so much pressure to young people and old people to conform mm-hmm. that they need to get super, super drunk to uh, break that. Yeah. And I, I think fun, I think fun and, and non-conformity are very related, actually. Um, I think that uh, societal norms... Uh, are not uh, built for fun. They're mm-hmm. built by corporations and uh, people wanting to make money. And, you know, if we were to, we can definitely dive into what I think about, uh, what I think about young people and party culture. I think it's designed. I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's like this naturally. I think it's designed. Well, you know what? Let me ask, uh, a third opinion here. I'm sitting with my friend Angela, who is kind of shooting this little um, yeah. documentary. You can see her with her camera in the background. She's Korean, and Korea consumes more alcohol than any country in the world. There's 50 million Koreans, and these 50 million Koreans drink more <laughs> alcohol than 350 million Americans. So, Angela, do you want to come over and say why you think that is oh. with the culture? <laughs> Don't be shy. Come on in. Come over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's doing her own blog um, as well. So here's the mic. Do you want to maybe come and speak? So let me ask, why do you think mm-hmm. the culture of, like he was saying, in Asia, mm-hmm. people drink so much to be able to connect and communicate with other people? So why is drinking such a big part of the culture in Korea, Tokyo, places like that? Yeah, actually... Yes, actually, we don't have uh, any culture about communication. So, yeah, drinking, so we don't have shy feeling and more, how to say? More relaxed, kind of? Yeah, more relaxed. Comfortable. Yeah, comfortable. So that's why we don't like, you know, drinking culture. And then after more connected and friendly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's why I think culture. Yeah, because the first thing people do, like the, basically all people do here is just go drinking. It's like, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> and since I've stopped drinking, it's, I feel really disconnected from this society and culture and community, basically. Because like, 
I just don't do that anymore. So do you think it's a problem here, the drinking culture? Uh, yeah, because, you know, uh, more uh, older people, like, uh, you know, recommend to drink yeah. more, more, more. Kind of force, yeah. especially at these company meetings, you know, company uh, office parties and stuff, they just get wasted, right? Yeah, right. Well, I, I really like this point. Um, yeah, because you basically cannot reject uh, someone above you in social status. You cannot reject them offering you a cigarette or uh, a drink. This is what I've heard from a few uh, high school teachers in China, yeah. is that this culture of honor basically uh, amplifies the peer pressure, amplifies the social pressure to drink and consume substances to respect one another. Yeah, and you know, the thing is, is the biggest shock for me is, is I've never seen my parents or any, any older family members drunk. And here, the majority of the people that get the drunkest are like the 50, 60 year olds that are just passed out in front of my building on the beach here in like their business suit on the street. Like if, if you want to check out something insane, check out blackoutkorea.com. Just Google blackout Korea and you'll yeah. just see like thousands of images of just like people pass out on the subway. Just it's, it's insane. And, and the thing is that I think is the most ironic thing is that it's such a, conservative culture during the day between like office hours so respectful people bowing and then at night these guys are just like animals you know like it's just like a total different Jekyll and Hyde thing it's really weird um so so yeah like that's been such a you know just day and night uh you know since those, those videos and pictures oh, you see it now yeah <laughs> okay okay <laughs> Yeah, well, there's just... That's real, man. I've seen it. It's, um... Holy crap, I'm, uh... <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. This is that's what, terrible. That's what you're going to be seeing, man. It is terrible, but it's, like, normal, you know? Like, it's just normal. Like, it's it's so... Like, people are, oh, you know, don't mind him. He's wasted. I'm like, well, why is he wasted? It's, like, three in the afternoon, you know? Like... And he's like, yeah, well, yeah, so. well, I think this is, uh, I mean, I'm not sure. Uh, I know that, you know, the, the stereotype suggests that Asian cultures, they have very, very they're very, very career oriented. So much um, pressure. Yeah. Right. All this pressure, you work 80 hours a week, your brain just needs, you can't stop your brain. Yeah. So you need substances to stop your brain. Yeah. You need substances to relax because your heart rate's going so high. You got all these deadlines. You got all this source of stress. There's no balance in your life. Mm -hmm. So in order to shut everything down, you need a, a relaxant, right? Yeah. And like the thing is, that just creates more stress on the body though, because they're so wound up and then they get wasted and then their body just, it's like this never ending spiral because then they don't sleep, they're hungover, they're unhealthy, they're not working out. And uh, yeah, man, it's, uh, it, it, you know, that's why I think what you're doing, especially to get people at a young age. And I read something that millennials are actually drinking and partying less than, you know, you know, the generation before. Like, is there, because how old are you, man? How old are you? Yeah, yeah. So I'm 22. You're only um, 22. That's right. That's crazy, man. You're, <laughs> Jeez. That's, uh, that's, that's impressive though. So when did you start? Did you ever drink or is this something that you just kind of came about? Like what, what's your background with that? Yeah. Um, I wanted to quickly uh, say something, comment on what you said about, uh, you know, just the, the culture, the, the work culture and they need yeah. relaxants. Basically, um, you know, it requires a lot of effort to live a substance-free life and get joy uh, naturally. You need to train your brain, um, and that requires a lot of effort, and uh, it requires a lot of time, too. So right. if, you don't, if you're working 80 hours a week, you can't, uh, you can't really teach yourself or learn or invest in yourself uh, and your health. It's just too time-consuming. But yeah. yeah, so I'm 22. Um, 
I have not been drunk in my life. I've never blacked out in my life. Um, I don't think I've ever been out of control in my life. Wow. Uh, it's, you know, I'm curious. I'm really curious. I don't think I'll ever do it because I love life as is. And uh, wow, man, that's amazing. You know, like that's that's that's, that's so, so impressive, actually. Like, I'm just thinking back to my youth. I had my first drink when I was 14 down at like the river, yeah. like, down by the pit, we called it. And uh, <laughs> and it, it was just such a big part of my life like I played university basketball and just every weekend the guys from the team and in high school you know like being part of it I think that athletic community really it's really healthy on one end but at the same time you've got you know some guys that love to go out and like you know totally. the, the dating and partying scene was out of control um, and that's why recently I'm like hey you know, like I've been doing this for literally like decades actually it's crazy but that's why I was like, all right, it's time to, uh, you know, reassess things. So at your age to have that mindset, that's unbelievable, especially in a city like your like Vancouver, where weed is now legal, you know, like I was shocked back this past month when I was there for the month. Um, there's like literally more weed dispensaries and weed cafes downtown than there are coffee shops. So it's, and, uh, it's, yeah. it's very frightening, Quinton, because uh, it's, it's better than alcohol for sure. Um, I don't think it makes people as violent. Um, it's, 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 it's a depressant, but it's not, it's not destroying people's ability to make uh, decisions so much. Yeah. Um, but the reality is it's a substance yeah. and your happiness uh, and your, your sanity and uh, your social, uh, social, connection is becoming dependent on a, a substance and yeah that's just that's just weak man develop develop all you Social need up skills. here you yeah. know and, and yeah. do it and you're gonna live a, a way longer happier life if you can uh control your surroundings by just controlling your mind right yeah uh, so well, the the thing yeah. i just want to touch on that before we kind of switch gears is like it's going to make me sound old, but I'm going to say the old thing when I was young, but when I was young, when I was like 17, 18 in university, 19, and when I used to smoke weed, um, it wasn't that strong. And I haven't smoked weed for a long oh, time. Oh boy, it's changed. You know, well, that's the thing. Like I haven't smoked weed in a long, long time, but the last time I did, and this is like a while back, so I can only imagine how much stronger it is now. You know, what I used to smoke, I was just wrecked. You know, like the potency with the THC or whatever it is with the different strains these days, it's just way more. And that's what I talked to my dad about because my dad's like, yeah, like he would be scared to smoke it now because when he was, you know, in, in his early 20s and stuff and trying it, it was like, it was like just nothing. Like there's no, the potency has just been exponentially uh, compounded and, and just so much stronger these days. So I think these kids that are smoking weed really young are really doing a lot of damage um, to their uh to their brain development like for sure um so so yeah that's definitely a concern well, well i love uh, i love what you just said um mm -hmm. this is this is this is where all the economic drawbacks of substance use come from it's just lost potential because lost potential wow that's powerful your, yeah your brain this is why young people uh, it's it's such a conundrum that when we're young, we have to learn everything. We make yeah. all the most, we make all our negative decisions when we're young, and yet those negative decisions have the biggest impact on our brain development. So it, it really sucks, right? Wouldn't it be great if we were, uh, you know, like we, our brains developed at a different time when we weren't doing all these stupid decisions and yeah. trying out all these substances. And, and yeah. this, this is the biggest issue with marijuana use is people think it's natural and it no longer is natural because it's, it's like the THC content is like, it's out of control. Yeah. And uh, nowadays people are not smoking. They're doing all this other stuff and they're doing extracts and, there's this whole other practice it's called dabbing and it's just 
it's a drug. It's just THC. It's no longer marijuana. Uh, right. People think people think that as all drugs come from a natural source. Uh, I, I didn't introduce myself as a pharmacology grad, but the reality is, I studied drug development for four years. Um, so, so what, what was your uh, what did you study? So you studied pharmacology. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. So you are very well versed and educated in this sphere then. Interesting. So you know firsthand, and you know what's interesting is, I won't name his name, but a friend of mine's a doctor, and he knows more about weed than anybody I know. And like, you know, and he's a doctor. Like a lot of pharmaceutical doctors are kind of like the biggest, you know, uh, drug addicts on the side. You know, like I know a number of guys that are quote unquote in that industry, but probably party harder than most people I associate with. Not well, so um, pretty, yeah, because they're so, you isolated. know, I, there's, there's this, this, uh, there is a reasonable pattern of use. Um, and it's, you know, it's all in the performance enhancement and, uh, you know, there's all sorts of therapeutic uses for drugs as well. I just think, uh, in the long term, uh, you want to be able to control how you're feeling and to be able to feel great, to be able to relax uh, without relying on substances. I think this is like one of the ultimate achievements in life that we should all strive for is basically disconnecting our well-being yeah. from our physical surroundings and physical substances. Um, no. Let, let me let me ask you this, because, you know, you look at the party scene in regular college campuses or clubs and stuff like that. There's a huge, like, hookup culture there, right? Um, what do you see with the parties that you throw? Is there still, what's the dating scene like, I guess, with people that aren't using anything? Okay. Um, okay. So, a few comments on the hookup culture. Uh Sex is a really healthy activity if you uh, use protection and you communicate and uh, You know most of the time it's better if you do it sober so that you communicate and you use protection and you do it safely yeah. uh, but this, That's just not the case in a lot of cultures. We don't regard uh, sex as a healthy activity. So therefore we uh, we want to excuse ourselves from casual sex by getting super drunk and uh, there's a lot of tension and anxiety around right. this behavior uh, when really we should really respect uh, people who have good, healthy sex lives. Um, so that's just a comment on there. So how is it different uh, in a sober environment? Well, I don't think people hook up. They meet each other and get to know each other and they communicate um, and flirt, and it's it's a slower progression. Good. Um, I think a key part is uh, I would say that it's less like physical appearance, and it's more. There's there's definitely more communication, verbal, nonverbal, um, and you really get to know people better because you're just more aware. Yeah. Um, so I think that there's there's a lot more potential for lasting relationships um because of this this well first of all people have attention when they're sober they yeah really you know focus on I, what they're saying and yeah. um and I, I, you know, I think that that's a really big sell for the university scene you know like because if you look at just how it really is people think that the only way like especially guys you know like the only way that they'll ever approach a girl is like having a few drinks to get that liquid courage, you know, but unfortunately a lot of young guys and men seem to need crutches of weed being high or drunk to approach and initiate conversations like that, which I think is too bad because uh, you know, if you just have the confidence or self esteem to go and approach someone or start a conversation without any influence, that's what we should really strive to, um, to have these healthy communications and, and you know like for myself like i never really had a problem approaching people like most of my relationships come organically from just meeting someone on the street or the beach or whatever not needing because every single girl that's out at a club is getting approached by 
you know, a hundred different drunk kind of douchebags that are just like all over them, you know, sloppy. Um, and that's not a very, you know, uh, good first impression, I would say, to start a relationship. So I think that what you're doing is really good to kind of create environments where it is uh, safe and um, uh, comfortable for people to uh, meet and have these uh, healthier uh, interactions and communications. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, definitely. You just reminded me of, of something I try to live by. Um, and whenever someone approaches me or talks to me, I want to somehow acknowledge their courage. Yeah. Because, and this is what I want to normalize in party culture is if someone comes up and talks to you, uh, and you know, sure, it can be flirty or whatever. Um, but, but basically I want, I want people to praise that sort of behavior instead of people saying like oh this person's weird for asking yeah. me how my day has been like why are they talking to me like yeah i want them to 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 really acknowledge that holy crap this guy like has the confidence or this woman has the confidence to come up and like engage with me and connect with me like this is great this means that like they're interested in me like, yeah. I want to learn more about this person because they're obviously doing something right if they're, like, curious about other human beings. And um, so this is really, like, one thing that I really think would make party culture so much better is just if, first of all, if we were openly, uh, if we openly communicated whether or not we were interested in people mm -hmm. um, and just communicated more on that front, yeah. Uh, this, the like sexualization of, uh, any sort of conversation in party culture would be less. So therefore we could actually like have real conversations with one another, um, and, uh, approach one another with less of this, like, uh, kind of, uh, people interpreting it as an intention to get laid. Um, so yeah, I, I love it when people approach me and, and I really encourage people, uh, sober people at uh, party for health events to approach other people. And it's not supposed to be courting, right? Necessarily, but it will probably lead to that perhaps. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that one of my friends posted something the other day, he's actually like a dating coach and he posted something that his clients are like the most, um, they're basically doing what, 99% of the world is scared to death of a public speaking and b approaching the most beautiful man or woman that they see like that's the scariest thing like public speaking people would rather be dead than be giving the eulogy at a funeral you know so to be able to like go and approach someone in public with other people watching especially to someone that's probably you know the the, the most attractive person there that takes a lot of you know uh balls and confidence to do that and people should be acknowledged for that like you said so yeah. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Um, out of curiosity, just kind of going back to your tour, you know, you're 22 years old. Uh, we met because you're a lifeguard down in English Bay. You have like the, the awesomest job, like basically living Baywatch. Um, and uh, I'm just curious, how is this big project funded? Like, how are you traveling around the world doing all this at such a young age? Like, I know you're a sharp guy, but I'm just wondering, do you have sponsors? Do you have funding from where businesses or health organizations like I'm just wondering how this is kind of structured yeah totally um so yeah we're gonna we're gonna be approaching sponsors um one of our sponsors that has supported us in the past is our speaker company soundbox which is the basically the technology that enables us to throw parties anywhere yeah. um and uh, so we're going to be approaching sponsors. We're going to be crowdfunding. Um, and who knows? I might maybe, like, I would do this. I want to do this. And I will do it uh, regardless of whether we get funded necessarily. So, yeah, maybe I'll pay for part of it as well. Um, though that will likely not happen because this project 
is uh, fantastic brand material uh, for companies. Yeah. Uh, drugs and alcohol in Western civilization are like the leading contributor to the leading cause of death, injury yeah. death in young people. And when young people die, it's like 40 years of a lost life. A parent has invested like 20 years of hard labor into raising someone and then they die. Like that's just su such a, a huge economic loss and not just economically, it's tragic. I mean, it's a huge emotional loss. Um, and, and so we want to, we want to role model across the world, uh, and, and show people that like, you can have fun. You can have fun. You can be crazy and do it without drugs. And uh, it's better. It's better to do it without drugs. You will have more fun than ever. Um, and it's going to hopefully uh, change some of the social norms around party culture and uh, reduce some alcohol and drug-related deaths. Well, that's amazing, man. And a couple of the, uh, the first things that came to mind as far as potential, like I would reach out to groups like AA, you know, I'm sure that they have oh, funds yeah. or I'm sure that they have, you know, uh, funds oh, for something. You're a good idea. Um, also, I used to actually work for an organization that was like uh, a government sponsored at, at, at youth at risk project. So governments have a lot of um, calculated budgets for at risk youth. And if you say, hey, we want to start engaging these at risk youth that would be more prone to drug use or or, you know, unhealthy behaviors and engage them in a healthy way. So I would research some at-risk youth funding or grants. There's a lot of them out there. Um, and uh, a lot of these, um, you know, Vancouver's a very health-conscious community and city. So I'm sure that there's a lot of people, like even like Lululemon or something like that, just off the top of my head, like, you know, like these big brands that would love to kind of sponsor saying, hey, come out and do like a, a yoga dance party or something like that. I'm sure that there's a ton of resources available so yeah. i think that you I, I don't think that you'll have a problem um and hey man i would love if you ever need someone to uh co-spot you know co-help launch an event or something i'd be i'd be happy to uh to, to get behind something like this man i think it's phenomenal what you're doing and um just fuck like 22 years old man you, i can't wait to see where you're at when you're uh you know 10 years 20 years down the line you're gonna be making some big moves in the world my friend for real like for real this is this is uh you know, I, can't, I can't believe you're only 22 like even when we talk like so i'll tell the story we talked we met on the beach in english bay and i was like man what's it like being a lifeguard i'm like i i, I think that would be a great gig and and uh you're just and then we just started talking and we have so many similarities and kind of uh similar thought patterns and i really felt like i'm like this guy this is kind of like a, you know this soul connection here of of what we've done and what we're wanting to do in the world and all the similarities and synchronicities so I'm just really uh, stoked to have crossed paths with you and can't wait to see where the future leads, uh, leads on this journey. Yeah. Just, just on that note of the story of how we met, um, there are strangers around us all the time that can relate to us on such a deep level and help us in such a powerful way. And we tell ourselves that this is not true and these are people that I don't know. Uh, they're a different ethnicity than I am. They have different views. Um, they don't want to talk to me. It's all a huge illusion. And uh, I think it's, yeah, I think it's hilarious and serendipitous that uh, we cross paths. And it's, uh, it's been super, super grateful that uh, we have, uh, yeah, since. So... Yeah, well, I can't wait for our paths to cross again, probably on your Asia party tour here. So where can, people, where can people kind of find out more about you and the project and how to get involved and potentially support? And uh, what are some resources you would like to kind of get some exposure to? Yeah, totally. Um, we're going to be uh, featuring a lot of content on our Party for Health channel. So I don't think I've talked about Party for Health yet, but uh, it's basically my company and uh, it's the social movement that I'm uh, creating and uh, it's party number four health, very uh, oxymoronic, but true. <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, you can check my Instagram out. That's where uh, that'll be kind of home base for most of uh, the vlogging and web series for the Party Sober All Over Tour. And my name is Jacques Mardike, and it's going to be in the description. Uh, It's at Jacques Mardike, and it's just down in the description of the video. And then also uh, our Soundbox. Uh, our our Soundbox will definitely be featuring some com- uh, content about us, some uh, long web content, so you can tune into their uh, channel as well, Soundbox on uh, YouTube, likely. Um, Soundbox with a K. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have all those links down below. And I've checked out a number of your videos before uh, this chat to kind of do some research, man. And that bike party you just did on Burrard Bridge, that was epic, man. Like you, you, you're right. What you said in the beginning of this part of this episode is that you can start a dance party anywhere and you're literally just surrounded by all these bikers. The next thing I know, everyone's like raging on the bridge. And I was just like, man, I'm looking forward to this conversation. This is a pretty interesting dude. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, uh, that was spectacular. Yeah. We, uh, yeah, there are endless, uh, endless possibilities when it comes to, uh, party activities and places to throw parties and uh, people don't look at it that way but I just I look around and I, I look at the physical environment and I I look at plays and uh, other content online and I think holy crap how can I use these physical places uh, and these activities to like create a incredible party experience man like and it gets me stoked man it gets me high on life <laughs> well I, th- I think to to wrap up here how much would you say the average person spends in their life on drugs and alcohol because i think if you hit this number that'll really make people say wow i'm literally pissing all this away that i could be investing or traveling with like what do you think like i have no idea but i'm just wondering spending money you're, you're, you're talking about dollars or yeah, like on over the course of a lifetime, all the beers, all the drinks, all the, you know, grams of weed, whatever. I'm just curious if anyone has ever done research like that, like the average, you know, North American guy, how much does he spend on intoxication? I would say, uh, the average would be probably, like five, four, four, four to four to six hours a week, I would say. <laughs> so you multiply that by uh, a lifetime, 90 years, 365 days, um, you know, divided by seven times four. Yeah. It's like, you know, your, your brain is shut off for, let's say, you know, well, if it's four hours a week, let's say like your brain is shut off for like two years of your life or something. I'd say, uh, I'd say it's a lot more than that. And the money that's spent on oh, yeah. that would be astronomical. Cause like I've got friends that are doing kind of the same gig as me. And you know, at the end of the month, they're like, man, like I have no money left. Like I can't wait for my next paycheck. And I'm like, what? Like, how is that possible? Like I'm, I've, I'm saving, like I'm making, you know, I'm, I'm banking. So I think that it really goes, you know, like if, if people kind of keep track on how much they're spending um, to literally just like poison themselves, why? And it's the same with all the junk food, man. Yeah, that's a whole nother deal. People, yeah. people should be paid to consume alcohol and junk food. And yet it's the exact opposite. People don't people don't get it like it's it's taking away from their life yeah that's a, that's a very profound statement you sh- people should not be paying for it. they should be paying being paid to do it that's a very uh a very profound statement my friend um is there anything else you want to uh touch on before we kind of i want to be kind of conscious of our time here um anything that you want to share before we kind of uh put a bow on this yeah yeah why don't uh, I finish with uh, a party quote? Um, I'm going to bring it up here. You know okay, what? Here we go. Here we go. This is a quote that I created. Um, what was your question, though? I was going to say, did you watch that video that went viral 
of those uh, two or three guys that went to the Supreme Court in California. They're like, we're here to fight for the right of house parties. Did you see that? Oh, I gotta look this up. That's oh, man. funny. It's a video. Like I thought of you right away when I saw it. It's like a video of these two guys because I guess in Beverly Hills or like someplace in California, they're banning house parties. And these two guys went to the Supreme Court to fight for uh, house parties. Um, and uh, you know what? Here, I'll, I'll, I'll find it and I'll, I'll play it because you can go ahead and say your quote. And then yeah. this might be a nice audio clip to wrap up on because it's such Let's a funny, it. uh, funny thing. So, yeah, go for it, man. Okay, so lasting happiness, like all great things in life, does not come instantly. It must be intentionally engineered into your life. There you go, man. That's, you got to learn how to party sober. I totally agree. And it will lead to lasting happiness. <laughs> there you go. I, I totally agree with that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find this video here. Um, here Do it is. I got it. So on YouTube, if people, I'm going to play, it's, it's called Surfer Bro um la city council defending house parties so here i'm just going to play this and then we'll we'll record Corella this in is absolutely one of my favorite this is my favorite. uh this is a uh what up council my name is chad kroger um i'm an activist and house party enthusiast over the past week i've been in a state of deep despair upon hearing the news that la is trying to outlaw house parties in the hollywood hills I'm here determined to stop this future atrocity. House parties were the bedrock of my development as a young man in San Clemente. My first introduction to manhood came when the captain of my water polo team, Boomer Kingsley, asked me to shotgun a tall can of Bud Light in front of the whole squad at his end of the season bash. His parents were in Tahoe at the time, so we tore that weekend up. It was epic, and I was super stoked. My newfound confidence gave me the courage to ask out the most popular girl in school, Lauren Stockholder, prom that year. She rejected me, and I had to go with Stacy McMillan, but I didn't care because I was so amped on chugging with my boys. That's what house parties do. Raging at house parties is the truth. Thank you. Next, next speaker, please this, come and identify yourself. This guy's even better. What up, council? My name is JT Parr. I am also here to defend parties in the Hollywood Hills. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging, and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros, regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party and moon people, and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or... I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential. If you outlaw house parties, you may keep the volume down, but an externality is that you may keep people from bonding. America needs bonding. People need to put aside their differences and find common joy. There's no more effective environment for that than a freaking rager. This is the best exemplified in me and Chad's relationship. We were star-crossed. He a surfer, me a bodyboard. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to welcome you to L.A. Council's Bill and Ted's excellent uh, adventure. Identify yourself. What All up, right. Council? My name. All right, man. So that's, uh, I think that's the best way to wrap this uh, session up. <laughs> You've never seen that before? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch it again. I'm going yeah. to send it to you, man. It's, it's like the funniest thing. But it's true. Like some of my best memories were like at house parties with like, my 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 friends and teammates and stuff and you know that's kind of where people do learn connecting with people communication uh just that's that's life man so i think that what you're doing to connect people all over the world in a healthy safe environment is uh is 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 much needed especially getting people off their screens you know getting them out from texting and get them real life you know out of chat rooms and into real conversations so uh, I love what you're doing, man. Um, like I said, if there's anything I can do in the future to help out and looking forward to uh, partying sober with you here in Asia, right, Angela? We'll, uh, we'll, we'll uh, do it up. Um, so, so yeah, man, I appreciate your time here. Anything else? I think that your quote is a great way to wrap it up too. No, we're good. I just hope that was uh, the LA council was staged.
I know, man, it, it was real. Like these two guys, when you see the video, when you see the video, like these two guys came in and it was hilarious, man. So maybe, maybe you should, uh, you know, crash some courtroom somewhere along your journey and uh, see what you can do for the people getting their fight for the, the right to fight, the fight for the right to party as the Beastie Boys said. <laughs> Hell yeah, really enjoyed it. All right, man, peace. Can't wait to catch up and uh, we'll see you later. Thanks for subscribing, everyone. Uh, if you're listening to this, go ahead, click the links in the bio, uh, subscribe, check us out on YouTube, iTunes, and definitely follow uh, my little buddy, brother here, Jock, and uh, around the world. He's doing great things, and thanks for tuning in. Peace. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And before you leave, two things. First, as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, I'm offering a free one-on-one -on -one coaching session with me to talk about anything and everything you want. Confidential, we get on the phone and we just connect. If you'd like to do that, two things. Go ahead, leave a five-star review on iTunes for this podcast. Write a quick little review. Then go over to YouTube, search Quentin Carlin or Self-Developed Life. Subscribe to the channel. And once you do that, send me an email, quintincarlin at gmail.com. My email is in the description below, and we'll set up a time to connect. This is limited time offer. I don't know how long I can continue to offer this for, but I'm definitely doing this now. For those of you who help support the show, I want to support you back. So go ahead, take care of that, reach out to connect, and I look forward to getting on a call with you as soon as possible. Have a great day. See you on the next episode.